Hey guys, it's five o'clock and you're listening to Ross FM ninety four point six. It's Kira, and this is my show, Inspire Lives. Today, I am joined by the fabulously talented Marion Bradfield, and she's going to introduce her song, Captain Is Born, and it's going to be a live performance. A live performance, and let's hope she gets it right. (laughs) (laughs) This is a song that is actually about a young guy that I played badminton with. He was my badminton partner. And uh, the only thing that this young fellow was interested in was boats. Boats, oh. boats, boats. And he ended up, um, this actually, I had done this story, I don't know how, when I wrote this song, but I told him that I, can I ask him, could I put him into a song? Because I knew he was mad about boats. And he now drives a huge big boat out in uh, between Abu Dhabi and Dubai. Wow. Yeah. And he actually did exactly this in the song. The song he had, there was something wrong with the boat one night and he just got a sixth sense. And he came out from the end and he got all the crew off. Boat went down, gone, bye, good night and thanks. But he saved every single one of them. Marion, that was beautiful. I love the story to this one. It's really quirky and I love how you took that situation and completely just turned it into your own little creative endeavour. Your style... Your voice is this lovely, rich, deep tone. And it's like coming like to fit for music. Like what was what was the moment you kind of knew what direction you wanted to write in? Like, was it going to be folk? Was it going to be blues? Like, how did you come about just establishing your style? I didn't think I don't think I have a style because there's so much stuff. I wake up some mornings and there's big band uh, music going on in my head because that's what I would have heard first because my mum and dad were ballroom dancers and they used to dance to the big band sound so that would be the the sound that I would have heard first of all and then um, my dad loved a guy called Mario Lanza and he was just a phenomenal opera singer so that was the influence on that one and then I kind of got into the little bit of the folk thing so but I also love the blues I love the, the old the American blues and soul and that and that just kind of it's something that makes your blood just go zing and there's nothing you can do about it yeah that's exactly it you know um so i kind of i like everything there is nothing there is nothing that doesn't influence you if you really 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 love music and if it's kind of yeah it's in your soul there's nothing that there's nobody can tell me anything that music doesn't come from somebody's soul. This is the thing, and it's like your voice, actually. It's very, like your speaking voice is so gentle. Gentle. And then, that's the way I describe <laughs> You should ask my daughters when I roar at them to do stuff. <laughs> but like, your speaking voice is quite gentle, and so then when you start singing, it's like, <laughs> you just like, it's, it's a shock. So what I want to ask you is like, when you were younger, like, I'd say like, even in, like, I'd say you probably sang in school and you probably sang in events and things like that. Did you get that? Did you get that reaction where everyone looks up and goes, "Oh my god"? No, no. I, I, think- to, I, I know. I I would in school. Um, I was kind of stuck out of the front to sing some kind of a a, a song, but <clears throat> no, I never. I would say even when I was starting off, when I learned the guitar, first of all, I didn't learn the guitar. It was my brother wanted to learn the guitar, and because my brother wasn't allowed to go on his own, I was sent 
to learn the guitar with him. So the two of us were sent together. Now, this guitar that we had, it was like a tomato box with strings. It was the strings were about a half an inch off the, the, the neck of the guitar. So you came home and your fingers were absolutely zinging. They were absolutely red raw. Jesus. So he learned first of all. So I learned as well. And then from my 16th birthday, my dad brought me down and bought me a guitar. And then I kind of started singing in my bedroom and then somebody asked me to join a a group, but it was a folk group. But I didn't sing in the group. I never sang. Uh, I always did harmony. I never sang on my own until I came to Donegal. And that's when everything changed. And that's when everything changed, yeah. And that's when I actually started writing. So I never, for the first half of, I just accompanied other people and I sang harmony. Do you know what, though? It's like I remember you telling me something that music is is definitely goes back a long way in your family because there's is there a connection with theatre writings? You told me someone. Oh, there is. Yeah. yeah. Tell us a bit about that. There was um, I did an interview for for um, what you got an interview for you for the radio station, one of the radio stations down in Waterford. And um, the guy asked me, you know, where did the influence come from? And I always thought it was from my dad's side Mm. because on my dad's side, there would have been connections to the show bands, the old show bands and the the oh, uh, Brendan Boyer and the Big Eight and all of those, you know, those old show bands. And then my one of my other cousins played the piano. Yeah. In it. And um, I said that this was, you know, what what they did. And I came home and Mammy had a face on her and I kind of gone, did you not like the interview? She said, you said it all came from your father. She said, but you do know that there is musicians in our family. And I go, oh, God, I said, what am I after doing now? So I said, well, tell me about them. So she brought out this like some kind of a like it was a really, really old newspaper thing. And she said, yeah, there was one woman, she said, in your father's family, all right. She was an opera singer. She used to break glasses with her voice. (laughs) And then there was this. And she had these in a drawer. Never told you. Never told me. And then she brought other ones that the, we say, family on her side had. Hmm. They wrote shows, but they were were in Irish because they were Irish speakers. And I'm kind of going, Mommy, why did you not tell me this? And she said, sure, I didn't think it was important. I said, everybody has to know. Yeah, where it goes. Where they came from and where the music comes from, you know. So that was a weird one. But (laughs) And they wrote Irish. They wrote it in Irish. They used to write traditional stuff in Irish. So maybe that's where the rhythm kind of stuff comes in because I I would be a reasonable... It was published, was it? They have, and I asked her to take me to meet him. um, And she said, not at all. What would you want be meeting him? She said, sure, he wouldn't remember. This man was in a, a, a nursing home at that stage, but I just wanted to talk to him. Yeah, to see. Do you know what I mean? To see if the music was still there, because we'll say if somebody is in a nursing home and if they don't, if they kind of tend to forget things, the one thing that they don't forget is the music. Is the music, you know? But she never, last, she never took me. This it's amazing. It's it, they say it's the last thing to leave the brain, isn't it? Mm. The music connection. Yeah, yeah. And tell us, and so you came about writing your first album. Yes. When did you get into songwriting and when did that develop? When I moved to Donegal, first of all, I started writing at the kitchen table. And um, I used to do gigs like the usual gigs around pubs and all that kind of stuff. And um, I said to myself, look, there's no point in writing these things without trying them out. So um, I just slotted them into the set and I didn't tell anybody about them. 
And um, I used to go to different places. You know, you'd have a summer residency and you'd go to all the different places. And they'd say, well, sing this song, sing that song. And I remember there was this little old man out in Duncanealy and he said, sing that one, he said, about your father. And I'm kind of going, which one about your father? He said, the one that there was the hit. Do you know your man sang it? And I go, hang on, says I sing a bit of it. So he, he, he didn't know, the, couldn't sing it, but he knew the words of it. And I knew it was one of my songs. And I said, well... I said, your man that you think didn't have didn't, didn't have a hit with that. And he said, well, why not? I said, because I said, don't tell anybody. I said, but that's my song. <laughs> I wrote it. And it was like a red rag to a bull. So he stopped the whole bloody pub and says, he come here, says, we have to stay quiet now. He said, and I had to sing this. And I go, no, sweet baby God. And I had to, and that, I suppose, I got a I got a great round of applause to it. And then the next night I went out, sing the one about your father. And I would sing it again. So gradually I just added them, added them, added them more to the set. See, I think this is fascinating. I remember you telling me about that, that you would just, you'd be, you'd have a gig and you'd get up there and you'd play your set songs and everything. Mm. And then you'd introduce your own music, but not actually say you wrote it. No. I think that's a good... It's a confidence thing. It's also, it it was also back when I started that, it was also kind of like a woman Mm. writing songs, a woman doing this thing on her own, but... You know, that's that was just the way it was. This is it, because I think back then in the music industry, it was a lot more challenging for women to get that break oh, than men. Don't even go there. <laughs> Do not even go there on that one. Oh, gosh, no, it was, too, it was tough. And <clears throat> this is the thing. It's Tonight Dad is the name yes. of this song. Can you play it for us? I will play it for us. <laughs> this, is the one that, this is the one that caused all this, the, the, the trouble. Marion, that's a beautiful tune. <laughs> and this is what I'm fascinated to ask you about. Your experience with Celtic women, you were one of the originals. Mm, how yes. did you get into that or how did that come about? I was, <clears throat> the when I started off, I recorded the, f- I recorded the first album on my own. It was, I, I just, I, I funded it and I went down to Waterford. I was living in the Midlands over near Ross Cray at the time. Oh. And um, I had started writing the songs. No, sorry, I beg your pardon. That's a lie. I had left Ross Cray. I had been living in Ross Cray for four years, then moved up to Donegal. And then I started writing the stuff up there. And I didn't know anybody in Donegal. I didn't know any studios. So I went back down to somebody that I knew down in Waterford. So um, I started recording the stuff. And again... I didn't tell the fella that I was recording this stuff with that they were my songs. <laughs> and we were about a third of the way through and um, he said, where did you get those songs? And I said, which ones? And he said, the ones you're recording. Oh, I said, I found them. And he said, where did you find them? <laughs> I didn't want to tell him yeah. that they were my, st- my stuff, you know. And he said, where did you get them? I said, why? He said, they're great. And I'm going, oh, OK. I said, they're mine. And he said, what? And the, the, it was a guy called Martin Martin Murray, fabulous fiddle player, mandolin player. And he had this desk and, and he was in behind the desk and there was the window in front of it. And so you were in the booth and he was and he, he looked he had this look. Uh, he, he's jet black hair, eyebrows. And he we used to call it the sheepdog look. He'd look up at you like that, like an old sheepdog over a hedge, <laughs> like, you know, and he would go, what? And I'm kind of going, yeah, I said, they're mine. Right. We need to talk about this. So we finished the album anyway. And I said, he said, what are you going to do? 
I said, I haven't a notion. I said, I just wanted to get them recorded. And that was it. So he said, send them to um, a guy up in one of the places up. He was on on a fiddle player up in Dublin. And I sent him to this guy. He had his ra- a radio show. I cannot remember now his name. He'll kill me if you if you hear. I hope you won't hear this. Um, and then he asked me up to sing, and I'm kind of going, "Where?" He said, "Up in Dublin. Come up and do it live." I nearly died. <laughs> so anyway, up I went, and one of the researchers on his program, yeah. they had a little record company that they were starting off. Okay. So I did. That album, I did the first album with them. I did the I did three albums with them. Okay. And in between the second and the third album, they had put this thing together. Uh, they put a load of ones called there were Kel- there was Celtic women. Now the original Celtic women were um, they were all writers. They were yeah. all writer songwriters, female songwriters. songwriters. Yeah, I think I have the album there. I'll, I'll get it in a wee minute. Um, but they were all songwriters in their own right and that's what they wanted to put together they wanted to put female Irish songwriters is that does that still apply now or is it no 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 that was back then and unfortunately uh, they didn't franchise the Celtic woman thing yeah that's interesting Mm, so then that was a big that was a a big big mistake mistake. on their part yeah it really really was because it 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 did it did very very well you know and if they had of if they had to just put a little bit of more thought into it, you know, it would have been they would have been able to set up a lovely little kind of like a platform for bringing on Irish yeah, you're female singer songwriters, and they would have been able to do Celtic Woman One Two. Now they did, I think, One Two or Three or something like that, and then somebody else. Was that in the nineties or the eighties? Pass. Haven't a clue. <laughs> Th- no, that was in think the early two thousand. It was early two thousands. Because mm, the last album that I did with them was in the n- the late nineties. Yeah. Are those tracks available on YouTube? If someone's to look them up. Though the albums are still that they're they're actually there's um, Valley Entertainment over in in New York. They still um, you can get those from Valley. It's Valley Entertainment. You can, if you just Google um, Celtic Woman One, Celtic Woman Two. Um, and I think they have they 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 sell them from there from there from New York. Wow! Yeah. If we want to hear your voice, what track are you? What's the name? Now, see, that's a very difficult question because the album that that's on is over What's in my the bag name? behind What's the, name of the track. Um, actually, do you know what I think it's called? I remember. I remember. I mm. remember. Can you play? I remember. I can. I can. I can. Now I'm going to play it different than when it, that the way it's on the album because That's I, okay. I I thought it was kind of like it. It always. I always wanted to do this song different with, um, with dobro guitar. For some reason, this is what I hear. Now this is not a dobro guitar. This is just a regular guitar. But you can imagine dobro guitar behind it. Okay. Here so it. guys, this is I remember by one of the original Celtic women, Marion Bradfield. No pressure. Oh my God, Marion, it's like, it's when you sing, it comes from the heart. I truly mean, it's like when you sing, you're singing from the heart. And it's like, obviously you can't see her guys, but she's performing this live. And as I'm watching her, she just completely goes into a different world, like a trance. And it's like, she probably, and this is what it's like. I love when artists, especially songwriters, it's like with a song, it's like they almost, this is what I feel, um, 
something about a good artist is how when they go and sing their songs, it's almost like they go back in time and they recapture that feeling. And I know this is a different version of the song, Mm -hmm. but it's almost like we witnessed an experience, if that makes any sense. So it's not just like it's a song, but it's, it's like you brought a feeling with it. And I love that. Can you kind of when you when you're performing, you have to. There's different parts of everybody of, of every performer. You know, when you're when you're sitting down chatting to, we say, family regular and all that type of thing. You're the person. You're the mammy. You're the you know. You're the sister. You're whatever. Um, and then you have to put your head into like a songwriting thing. Um, and when I'm when I'm writing, I like I love it to be a story. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the things to be. I love all of the songs to have stories or to be about something. I find I can get into a song much easier and write a song much easier if I have a story because I can build a little play around the song. And the real but experience. But then when you yeah. then when you go on stage, you just leave all of those people behind, and then you become. You have to live every song. You have to if you want to put your heart and soul into it. You have to when you're up on stage. You have to live every song and. Um, I think years and years ago somebody said if you write a hit song you better like it because you're going to have to do it again and again <laughs> but you exactly still have it, to do yeah. you know what I mean even um, up in Donegal they always ask me if, if they ask me to sing that song they say will you sing the song about I might do you know one with the one that says do you mind because That's in, the in Donegal yeah. they said do you remember Is do you yeah. mind that time so do you remember that time so that's you know the the and then the, and other people call it the crazy night song. So they have all, they all have their own little yeah. Wow, <laughs> it's isn't it lovely how people take their own little version on something? But also, so did you tour, Marion? With Celtic Woman? No, unfortunately not. I toured on my own, um, and but I didn't tour with Celtic Woman. They did a, they did a fabulous. Oh, we did a performance of Anarchy Gordon on the Late Late Show and they got all of the women together and I mean this is this is my, one of my most treasured possessions because this has all the women on it it's got Lorena McKennett Rita Connolly Anya Fury me uh, Maureen Gonal, uh, Melanie O'Reilly and Fiona Joyce they were the they are the original original original, the original Celtic, Celtic women, women. Yeah. and like had you all similar stories or different stories or how did you all come really together? Like how it was, it was the small little that I was with the record, a little small little record company at the time, okay. and it was in between. The, I think my second and third album that they kind of wanted. They had other people. I think they were. I think they were set given a, a they were had some kind of a, a deal with some of the other artists, okay. and then I don't know where they got the idea of of putting the all of them together. All them together, and have you like kept in contact? Have you wrote no, since actually? No. No, we did the one night on we did the one night on the Late Late Show and it was absolutely it was a great night. And I'd love to take that out of archives. <laughs> I'm sure it is somewhere in the archives, yeah. But I would have I would have loved to have done a, a show because you'll hear all the shows that are being done now with we say the likes of you know, the, the, the Chieftains did a thing with the big yeah. with the orchestra in Dublin and my brain is kinda of going, Oh man, wouldn't the five women that were originally there? The five original Celtic women with with the Irish. And do you know much about them? Did, like, did they stay in music? Did they go? Oh into God, other? yeah. Lorena McKenna is. She's a Canadian writer. Fiona Joyce. Ah. She's got. She moved back to. Um, Fiona moved, I think, to Jersey. Melanie O'Reilly went over to the States. She went into. I think she t- went into teaching. But I mean, I think all artists and all writers have to have another little. 
they all have another little job. And this know, is the thing, because what's fascinating about you, Marion, is you also have a store, Parchment and Verse. I have a tiny, tiny little shop, yes, that people bring in all their different art kind of stuff and I sell if it sells it sells and if it doesn't it doesn't now in this shop when we're talking about shop if you swung a cat you'd bait its head off each wall that <laughs> is how small that if its shop is but we it's kind of like a little old fashioned place up in Donegal and um, again it was a fluke that it started off because I had extra words in my head from the songs but they didn't fit into songs but they fitted fitted into mad verses you know, like poemish type of a things, yeah. crazy type things. Um, and I've always had good handwriting, compliments of my daddy. And so I kind of just put the two together and I, I sourced handmade paper, um, slave-free handmade paper, by the way. And this is the thing, it's like, because this show inspired lives, it is really, I, what I love is that the people I'm having on are like, <clears throat> like you were inspired, like tell us the story that inspired you getting into cards and how oh you ended God. up setting the shop up. Um, because it was unexpected. Like you was, were a bank manager. Weren't that, you? No, that was another life. life. That was definitely another but life. But this is what I'm saying. It's <laughs> fascinating. You've lived many lifetimes in one lifetime. There's I been am, so much different things. I'm going to, by the time I get my wings, I'm going to have one major CV. Yeah, no, um, what you got? I was thinking about it and I'm kind of going, what am I going to do? Because... I, you know, when there's when there's other stuff in your head and it needs to get out, your brain is going. How can I get that out? Yeah. So, um, a friend of mine had it was coming up to Christmas, and she had um, now I had some of these verses written out on the handmade yeah. paper, and I had them all done up, and I backed them with silk and cotton and all of that kind of posh stuff. And she rang me and she said, "Is there any chance that you could give me a hand?" She had vouchers that she was giving out for Christmas, and the person that was to do the little card things that she put the vouchers mm-hmm. into left her down and she had nothing, absolutely nothing. Now, the verses and things that I do, they I, they come with a customised folder. So I had card left from it. And I said, here, look, at I give it a go and see. So made them for her and she took one look at them and she said, oh, good God. She said, where did you get those? I said, I made them. She said, out of your head? I said, out of my little old head. So... But my mum used to do an awful lot of craft stuff and my dad paints. So it was just another kind of, I don't know, something else that was in my head. So she said, do you make Christmas cards? I said, I do not. I said, I never made a card in my life. Mm-hmm. Go on, she said, make them. Make me some. So she said, make them for me so that I can give them to my mammy. And I'm kind of going, right. So I made her a few Christmas cards. And then I made a couple of kind of not for people like customised for my mammy, for my brother and all that type of thing. I made just generic ones. And she put, what I didn't know, she put the generic ones out on her counter. And she rang me two days afterwards and she said, um, can you make more of them cards? She said, they're all gone. And I'm going, pardon? She said, yeah, they're all gone. So I made three loads and my brain just went, oh, how long? Two seconds. If you're doing a small little kind of a shop like that, mm-hmm. like, I mean, you know, you do the flowers. So yeah. you have, you know, you have to have a cash flow. So you yeah. know you have to have a cash flow to cover your rent. Yeah. So I'm going, right. So that's where that started off. So just saw the little place and it's not, it's not a huge shop. It's just down a little lane and people who love crafty type things find us. But I wanted it to be an old fashioned Victorian-ish kind of shop. So that's... 
that's what I did and that's what else I do so there's loads of things I do for my sins <laughs> this is it and you know what I love is your humour like if you're oh in God. Marion's if you're up in Donegal it's down a small little lane and it's it's called Parchment Verse but what's lovely in there is you bring your humour and you bring your songwriting your poetry and you put that to card and you put that to these beautiful she's lovely verses I actually stock a few as well in the shop um, but can you give us a spin on some of the co- the comedic verses the first have. card now this this is this is weird the first card I have I ever sold uh, was Arafiket Happy Birthday right I had <laughs> this on the card and it was kind of I said this is never going to sell and the door opened and this woman walked in and she started busting her heart laughing and I'm kind of going what are you laughing at she said that card that's for my friend I have to get it for my friend can you make it in a bigger one because there's only a smaller little yeah. you know, just like a small little thank you wish type of thing and um, I said yeah I will so I made it and um, we started chatting she said what do you do so I told her what I did and I said and what do you do she said I'm a nun Stop. I nearly died I'm going you're buying this card for-? she said yeah oh she said she's a mad friend I have to I said is she another nun and she said oh yeah she said she, <gasps> she love it so I'm going, OK, <laughs> I think this gives me free reign to be as mad as I want. <laughs> so, you know, things like that happen. There's, I mean, you couldn't write that. No, you couldn't. No. And this is the thing about shops, isn't it? It's such, um, I'd say you could, I'd say there are so many stories you can tell because there's so many characters. You've no idea. Ireland is such, oh, it's one of those places. You've no idea who's going to walk through the door yeah. and what they're going to come out with. And that's yeah. what I've learned in business is that you, the more you listen, the more you truly learn. Oh, you do. There's, there's another card there that says happy spandex day. This is the thing. You know? And like, I love as well. Now, only like, women will understand that. Yes. Yeah. And this is the thing. <laughs> I love as well. You also have some nice inspirational quotes like your mindset, Marion. Um, I'm actually good friends with Marion. Or should I call her Mo? But... You come out with these lovely quotes about, you know, believing in yourself and you going for your yourself. dreams and being, and this is the thing, like you turned around after a whole different style and career and you took an idea and inspiration and you turned it into a whole different life path, a whole different field. And it's a success. Um, I mean, you backed yourself. And I love that when women back themselves, they can really do anything. I, I do this, I, I kind of try and just keep it very, very simple. And, you know, sometimes my, my, you know, when I have two daughters, two mad, wonderful creatures, and sometimes the, the, they come to me and they say, Mommy, why is this happening? Why is it not going this way? And I'm kind of going, because you are pushing life the wrong way. You're mm. pushing life the way you want it to go, mm. whereas you can't push life the way you wanted to go. I said, what you've got to do is you have to sit back and watch the way life wants you to go and watch the way and the choices that life has given you. Then you make your decision. You don't strike. I said, if you keep pushing life, I said, it'll just bounce back and hit you in the teeth. And it took a couple of goes before the youngest one got that, (laughs) that, you know, Um, but they they just roll with it now because you're going to... In life, you're going to be hit with so many things. And I mean, especially with the way stuff is going at the moment, um, it's driving people crazy. I think um, so. It is driving people and crazy. And what I find is that, you know, I, and I'm going to say it in my generation, is because we're so used to things being in an instant. Like you can send a message to America mm. in 30 seconds and it's like, 
and it's gone through. Yeah. And patience is a real thing that even myself, I find myself trying to how to embody patience more because yeah. things have to build. Well, I and got I, patience from my dad. I got patience from my dad and it was compliments of my mother because when I was small, my mom would my my mom would go off shopping. Yeah. And I'd be sitting in the car with my dad and um, she'd say, now, look it, don't go anywhere. I'll be only 20 minutes at the very, very most. And I'm kind of, and me and dad would look at each other. And I lived in Waterford at the time. And uh, what you got at mommy go off shopping and we'd wait 20 minutes and there'd be no sign of her. So dad would say, we'd go off for a spin. We would go, we'd go out to Tremor, which was seven miles away. We'd sit on the prom. We would get an ice cream. We would listen to the radio. We would sing with the radio. And then we'd come back in. And I think the longest she ever was was two hours. And she said, I got talking to somebody. So so, through sitting with my dad and just listening. and Learn patience. Flowing with life. Just you learn. This is the thing. Just let life flow. I think so. Because if you try to control everything, (laughs) nothing I find anywhere. Good luck with that. (laughs) It doesn't work. And I think business is one of those things where you really just got to take week by week, do your best. Because that's all you can do. And just watch. It's like planting a seed and watching a flower grow. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you have to wait for it to grow. This is it. It's like, and this thing as well, music industry and rejection. Oh, that's a big one. So if you don't have the patience to sit through, you know, what's for you won't pass you. Yeah. And it's like, if you can't accept that yeah. and kind of go, okay, you know, some things, I'm some doors I'm not meant to walk through. Absolutely. And some windows I'm meant to peep through. Yes. <laughs> so I guess it's like, you kind of have to wait for that to play itself out. But we're going to play one of your lovely songs now. And this one is called Visa Card Girl. Mm. And it's one of my favorite ones. Okay. Um, Tell me, what was the story with this song? The story is about a friend of mine. Um, she was, how would I say? Everybody said to her, no, she, you'd never, you'll never make a good saleswoman. <laughs> and um, she was what we would call, she was a well-built girl. And she used, she was always so, so glamorous. Yeah. And she went into one of the smaller department stores and they said, no, stop, she'll never make it. As a, you'll never sell anything. That girl worked her way up to be the one of the biggest buyers in one of the biggest, poshest Dublin stores. And I'm just going, wow, good on you, kiddo. This is it. And I find myself and all of us, we've all become a generation of Visa card girls. So <laughs> here we are, Visa card girl. So guys, that was the quirky Visa Card Girl. I think that's actually my favourite song, Mo. Really? Sometimes I think that's my favourite song and then I hear another song I'm like, no, that's my favourite song. And then I hear another one and I'm like, no, I think actually that one. <laughs> it it all depends on the mood. It this is it. It kind of keeps mood. going on. Yeah. And what I want to ask you about is your exploration of styles. So oh, you God. love blues. Oh, I do, yeah. Yeah. I used to, ha- I, well... My mother can't hear anyway, but um, I used to hide the radio under the, the covers and I would tune the radio into all of the weirdest, weirdest uh, radio stations that played all the alternative stuff. Like, I mean, country, country is fine, country, western and all of that, you can get that. But it was just, there's something raw about mm. blues um, and it just, it just really, really gets to you, you know. I don't know why. 
It's, and your voice really suits it because you've that real deep kind of, uh, the way I'm going to tr- describe it is an earthy tone. An earthy tone. An right. earthy tone. That's what I love. Um, Probably from roaring at Wayne's to stop doing well, this <laughs> Do you know what I love though? It's like that. It, you have that Celticy feel in your voice. There's, I think, I always think there's like two. Near, I'm, I could be wrong in saying this, but when you think about Celtic voices in terms of Irish voices, you have, you have in your mind, you have this kind of. Sometimes you have this sweet kind of angel-like tone in your mind, and then the other side of it is you have this real deep, earthy, rich kind of bold I'm going to call it slightly bold. bold yeah a bold voice and I always think there's like there's these two different versions of the Celtic woman there's oh, this yeah, sweet there kind of yeah. you know dancing just on the and the wind blowing type thing yes. and then you have this earthy yeah. woman that is experienced and she's like thunder and we're going to hear this song Losing the Blues by the fabulous Marion Bradfield <laughs> 